Well, hey there, you're listening to the Marketing for Coaches podcast. I'm your host, Steve Schramm. This is the podcast where we help coaches like you achieve clarity around their message, overcome their toughest marketing challenges, and grow their caseload in record time. Welcome to the show. Yeah, so we're finally here at episode number 11. We broke past that barrier in the first 10, and we're excited to be coming to you another week talking about marketing for coaches, how coaches can uh, perform better in their marketing efforts, how we can get your online marketing up to par, and a lot of times that outward expression of our desire to work with other people in our marketing efforts starts with inner transformation and personal growth. And that's the kind of thing, actually, that we want to spend some time talking about today. There's a really, really popular book. It came out a while ago, maybe in 2012, called The Big Leap. And it's written by a gentleman named Gay Hendricks. He is a a psychologist and certainly does a great job doing what he does. And he wrote this book, and there's been subsequent uh, kind of versions of it and iterations of it. But I've recently, uh, in the last year or so, read The Big Leap for the first time and wanted to provide very briefly some insights on this book. Now, I'll give you a couple interesting things. Um, first of all, I've read the book through, I think three times. I have the audiobook, so I've read it, I've listened to it through three times. And frankly, I could stand to listen through it again and probably learn a, a lot more. This is a book filled with advice, much of it practical, but much of it uh, a bit ethereal sounding and harder to understand. So you definitely need to take your time going through it. And I would recommend going through it multiple times. I'm I'm aware of one person who has read the book through eight times, I think. He, He did a podcast series on it. And as he was talking about that, he mentioned that he had read the book eight times. Well, I don't know if eight times is necessary. Uh, Perhaps maybe it's um, helpful. And so if you want to do that, you're more than welcome to. However, I've read three so far, and who knows, another one, I could probably stand it. But taking the big leap as a coach, what what does it really mean to take the big leap? And then how do we apply that to the world of coaching? How does this inner transformation help our outward uh, display of a desire to work with people and help them uh, achieve a, a transformation of their own. Well, there are three things. Now, I've boiled this book down to three steps that I think a coach can take. And again, the point of this is to get this into a you know 10 to 15 minute podcast episode, something that I have read. It's a many two or three hour long book on audiobook, and I read it three times. So it's quite obvious that you are going to want to dive in further for yourself if you find this intriguing. There's no way I can do it the justice that it deserves in this short time period we have together. But I'm hopeful that these three steps that you find here will help give you an introduction as to the kind of thing that you can learn by reading the book and how you might be able to see that it helps you. Now, 
It's worth mentioning as a caveat that I don't agree with every single thing in the book. Uh, as a matter of fact, rarely do I fully disagree with any book, uh, or excuse me, rather do I fully agree with any book that I read. As a matter of fact, I use a, a, a form to go through and debrief. Anytime I read a book, I use a form that allows me to get down my insights that I gleaned from the book. And there is a spot in that form for the disagreements that I had with the author. So, these things exist here, especially as a, a Christian. Um, Dr. Hendricks talks about some things that I, I disagree with. They're not a part of my worldview, and I don't think they're true. He talks about other things that he clothes in a, a kind of a spiritualist language that personally, as a Christian, I, I think about them differently, but nevertheless, I think the general principles are true because I think they're a part of God's world. And so, you know, I, I realize that maybe some of you listening here are Christians, maybe some of you aren't, and that's okay. This uh, is not written by a Christian author. I was just giving my disclaimer for anybody who is listening that uh, I see things that he put in the book, some of the things a bit differently. So if you read, uh, you might pick up on some of those things things as well. Well, let's dive in real quick. I want to give you kind of my summary of it and then dive into these three steps with a quick explanation of them as to how you could take the big leap as a coach. So uh, Gay Hendricks makes the case in this book for living 70% plus of your time in what he calls your zone of genius. Now, zone of genius activities are things that when you do them, you enjoy doing them. Time seems to flow, not fly. And you're utilizing your own unique ability. In order to get to this point, though, one will have to intentionally commit to living this way. It will involve overcoming what he calls upper limit behaviors and adopting new ways of speaking positive energy into your life, such as using a commitment statement, using what he calls the ultimate success mantra, and mastering what he calls Einstein time. So there's a lot going on in this book. We want to break down some of what we talked about into uh, the three overarching, I think, action steps that one could take away from reading the book. And my hope is that this will provide a helpful interpretive grid for you when you go back and read the book yourself to be able to apply it to your own life and by extension to your coaching practice and activities. So the first thing that you need to do is recognize your upper limit problem or problems. Now, most people don't realize that they have this, but just to give you a, a brief idea of this, have you ever found yourself in a situation where things almost um, out of the ordinary, uh, things just started to go right? Things started to go well, unusually well. Maybe you got a promotion at work or maybe some huge milestone uh, in your marriage was, was achieved and you, you, maybe you've overcome uh, an addiction of, of some sort. Uh, something, something good, unusually good happens. The kind of thing that you've psychologically already ruled out as being too good to happen to you. Well, 
after that, you often find that something else takes place. Something that brings you back down to the ground level. Something that weasels its way in, works this way, and maybe it's an argument with your wife or your spouse. Maybe it is a coworker who says something that really bothers you at work. And suddenly this high that you were on, this um, joyous um, success that you were embracing has been brought back down to earth. In your mind, you have upper limited. It's brought you back down. You have done something to mess up what otherwise would have been a great experience and it would have added to the joy, to the success, to the love, to the abundance that you felt in your life. Now, this is the premise of Gay Hendricks. He says that we all have these upper limit behaviors. They're part of a bigger thing called the upper limit problem, whereby we are not allowing ourselves to um, enjoy life very much. For whatever reason, he actually goes through four reasons in the book um, why you ultimately have these limiting beliefs of yourself, why you ultimately have these upper limit problems. And we don't have time to go into all of them, but it has a lot to do with your past. In fact, if I could just say one thing, a general point about all four of them is the, the problem with them all is that they are not real, is that they are not real. And they don't even have to do with circumstances or anything that you can control. They often stem from events that happened in your past or from a way that you were made to feel in the past. And so that's what you need to take away from this is that your upper limit problem, when you reach it, when you reach it, um, you will see that you've got this idea of yourself that makes you think lesser of yourself that brings you quote unquote back down to earth. But in reality, it's bringing you back into into alignment with this vision of yourself or who you have to be that is not true. And so this is kind of a psychological thing that uh, all of us deal with. And I think there's extreme merit to it. Indeed, the research really seems to bear this out. And of course, the ultimate place that, that, that Gay Hendricks wants to get us to is living 70% plus of our time in our zone of genius. That is 70% plus of our time doing activities that when you enjoy them, time just seems to flow. You're you're doing something that is your unique ability. You absolutely love to do and you're the best person in your vicinity to even be able to do it. In other words, you're spending the vast majority of your time doing what you absolutely love to do and are most effective at doing. And a lot of the book, a good third of the book probably, at the beginning introduces us to this upper limit problem because he knows how big of a challenge it is to overcome that to eventually get to the spot where you're living in your zone of genius. So the first thing to do is to recognize your upper limit problems. Okay, the second thing that you need to do in following this path towards taking the big leap as a coach is to identify your zone of genius and commit to it. Now, 
Dr. Hendricks gives a couple of exercises in the book that you can take to come up with this. And the idea is that a lot of times it takes some refining, kind of like those uh, Russian nested dolls. You can keep going further and further and further. It takes further refinement and further question asking to get to the place where you're really at your zone of genius. And this intense curiosity of what that zone of genius is for you will help get to that spot. And what's really, really interesting is you find multiple things that are likely in your zone of genius, and they are applicable to a wide range of application. And rather than take a lot of time to explain that, I'm going to give you some examples of my own, uh, what I have identified to be my zone of genius. I'm going to give you a couple different statements here, and I'm going to explain what I mean, how they have a wide range of applicability. So this is what I came up came up with as my my main kind of zone of genius statement. It's this: educating and inspiring others through writing, speaking, coaching, and content creation to look beyond their current way of thinking, begin to imagine new possibilities, and take action on those possibilities using practical tools, strategies. And tactics. I'm going to read that once more. Educating and inspiring others through writing, speaking, coaching, and content creation to look beyond their current way of thinking, begin to imagine new possibilities, and take action on those possibilities using practical tools, strategies, and tactics. Now, notice that in my job as a uh, IT guy, my full-time day job, I can do that. I can do that. There's things that I can write. There's things I can say. There is uh, training and coaching I can do. And there's content that I can create and put up, say, on our intranet site that help people to look beyond their current way of thinking. That is, they, they currently think that they have some limitation uh, with respect to their technology, right, that they have. I can help them look beyond that and begin to Imagine those new possibilities and then help them take action on them using the tools, strategies, and tactics that are involved in, say, the software that we offer. But then notice how uh, applicable that also is to the marketing coaching work that I do. I can help people to look beyond their current way of thinking in their, in their coach marketing and begin to help them imagine these new possibilities and then put them into action using the practical tools, strategies, and tactics. I could do this in multiple ways. I, another area of my life in my, uh, my family, I can do these same things with my family. I can take time to slow down and coach my boys through different situations and coach my family through different situations. I can apply this to my ministry. Um, I, 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 I help people through writing and speaking, content creation of different forms to uh, begin to imagine things that they uh, that are beyond their current scope of understanding and then help them understand those things using practical strategies and tactics. So your zone of genius, of genius will oftentimes take a form that is applicable to multiple areas of your life. It doesn't, your zone of genius is not a job. Let me repeat that. Your zone of genius is not a job. Being employed by a particular company 
etc. That's not what your zone of genius is. Your zone of genius is that place where you are able to make the best contribution. You're the most effective. You're utilizing your unique ability, which is something you learn more about in the book. And not only that, but you absolutely enjoy it. There's nothing you would rather do. So there's other things. While that is my zone of genius, there are other zone of genius statements that I've made that are things that that resonate with me. They are within my zone of genius. Um, Creative expression within my God-given abilities. So I I love to play music. I love to podcast. I love to speak. Um, I love to write. Uh, God has given me these uh, abilities and thank him for it. And um, I believe that that anytime I'm able to express my creativity within those things that God has given me the ability to do, I absolutely love it. It's my zone of genius. I could spend forever doing it. Um, The pursuit of learning more. Get this, the pursuit of learning more about my God-given abilities. So the study I put into learning more about how to perfect and hone those crafts, that is in my zone of genius. Um, And then I've got this this statement that I absolutely love based on something I read in the book. I express my zone of genius when I resist the inevitable temptation to compromise my physical integrity. Let me say that again. I express my zone of genius when I resist the inevitable temptation to compromise my physical integrity. When I say physical integrity, what I mean there is literally he talks about the concept of integrity in the book as being a completion, as being something complete. And anytime you risk um, uh, hurting that physical integrity, you take something away from yourself. And the way I practically apply this in especially a Christian religious context is staying away from uh, what the Bible calls sin and those things that would not be particularly um, uh, suitable to the kind of life that I am supposed to be living. And uh, surely, even if you are not a Christian, you can relate. There are values. There are things that you hold dear that in order to violate those, you would be compromising your own physical integrity. And that is the kind of thing that we're talking about there. So it's within my zone of genius to, um, or the expression of my zone of genius when I resist the temptation to compromise that integrity. So that's the second step. Whatever that is for you, identify your zone of genius and commit to it fully, fully. And then finally, The last thing is to take full responsibility for your time. Take full responsibility for your time. Now, this is uh, a a big section of the book. And uh, to be honest with you, it's one of the harder ones to understand, especially the first time around. But I will give you a practical takeaway for now. You can read some of the more uh, ethereal, uh, theoretic stuff uh, on your own. But I'll give you a practical takeaway for right now that really helps you with this, to take full responsibility for your time. What you've got to realize, and this, um, I'm not perfect here. I'm still learning this every single day every single day I'm working on this and I have not arrived, is to be intentional about not complaining about time. Don't don't become the victim of time and realize, realize that there are things that you often say that you don't have time for, but it's not that you don't have time for it. You're just not accepting the responsibility that you don't want to do it. 
It's not that you don't have time for it. You're just failing to accept the responsibility for it because you don't want to do it. Now, that's harsh. That's harsh truth. But it's true. It's true. And it keeps you. It keeps you from living into that expression of your zone of genius. It's one of those things that compromises your physical integrity. You've got to learn to take full responsibility for your time so that your time is being spent doing the things that you need to be doing. A very practical example, uh, as a dad, you know, I've got three boys and sometimes they want to do stuff with me. And it's so easy, right? Just to default, just to say, I don't have time right now. But what if rather than wanting to do something with me, they came to me and they had sliced their finger open? Do you think I would have dropped whatever I was doing to stop and help? Well, you better believe it. You better believe it. And being honest about that and admitting that and figuring out how to learn to recognize those times and take responsibility. And there are probably practical steps you could work around that. Maybe you just say, you know, look, I really want to do this with you, but could you give me about 10 minutes to finish up what I'm doing? And then I promise I'll spend the next hour with you. Something like that. I'm just trying to give you something practical here that even in your coaching relationships, etc., you need to take full responsibility for your time. No is a complete sentence. Don't be afraid to say no. It's just that simple. So there is a lot more to this book than I've brought to you here. Uh, Especially you will learn uh, about the different zones. The zone of genius is only one of four zones that you can um, uh, find yourself in. Uh, For example, there is your zone of incompetence. That is, you find yourself doing things that you're not even competent to do. Then there's your zone of competence. These are things that you can do, but somebody else really should be doing them because you're not that great at it. Then there's your zone of excellence. Now, this is where most professionals find themselves. Most professionals find themselves doing something that they're great at doing, but that they don't like doing it. It sucks the life out of them. As a matter of fact, other people, other people would say that this, whatever you're, is in your zone of excellence, this is the kind of thing that they would point to you and they would say, this is the expert at that. And they would say, this is the person who should be doing that. But that's not what you want. Your zone of genius has to do with where you are most effective, but also the things that you want to do, the things that you feel called above everything else to do. So hopefully these three steps, recognize your upper limit problem, identify your zone of genius and commit to it, and then take full responsibility for your time. These three steps hopefully will uh, intrigue you and uh, provide a persuasive case to, to go out and buy the book for yourself, see if you can read it, see if you can understand these concepts and begin to implement them in your own life and work towards this goal. It's a lifetime Uh, of working towards the goal of doing things that keep you in your zone of genius for 70% plus of your time. That is the ultimate goal of this book. And I think uh, a worthy goal to grasp and to take on. All right. So I hope this has been helpful to you. Hey, I wanted to come here at the very end and remind you that this podcast is brought to you in part by the 48 Days Eagles community. Now, this is a community of people who you are going to find uh, lots of this um, this kind of thinking in. Uh, 
I can think of two guys right now, uh, Cliff Ravenscraft and Kent Julian, who are fellow members of the 48 Days Eagles who have each done series on their podcast on the zone of genius. As a matter of fact, Kent Julian was the gentleman who read the book eight times. You can find that on his Living Forward podcast and then, or Live It Forward, excuse me, podcast. And then Cliff Ravenscraft uh, has also talked about this a lot on the Crift Cliff Ravenscraft show. These guys are both members of the 48 Days Eagles group, and uh, there's lots of coaches in there, lots of uh, professionals in there, people who are trying to find and or create work that they love. So if this interests you, it's a, it's a monthly fee to be in there, but it's great not only for learning, but for networking. I've got a lot of business uh, from there. Um, there's a lot for coaches to learn in there. And so I, I think that it would be a great investment every time. If nothing else, go check it out. You can check it out by going to northmacservices.com slash eagles. northmacservices.com slash eagles. And there you can learn all about the Eagles uh, group and how it might benefit you to get signed up. All right. Listen, I hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time. Thanks. Bye-bye.